Daniel, when I saw this headline, my immediate reaction was, oh my gosh, what just happened? This seems like a really big deal. Am I right to think what the FDA just did in Florida with drug prices? Is it a big deal? You're right to think it's a big deal. So uh, the FDA on Friday approved Florida's proposal to import a limited number of prescription drugs from Canada. Daniel Gilbert covers the business of medicine for The Post. He says this decision from the Food and Drug Administration is part of a bigger push to bring down drug prices for everything from cancer to mental health conditions. The idea of importing drugs much less expensively from Canada has animated politicians and regular American consumers for a couple of decades now. Um, This decision by FDA for the first time creates a pathway for states to actually buy prescription drugs in bulk from Canada that could be a potentially very significant cost savings for them. But if other states get a green light to buy medicine from Canada, that country could risk running out of its own supplies. So it's really not clear what'll happen if those two things collide. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Elahe Izadi. It's Monday, January 8th. Today, Daniel explains why, for the first time, a U.S. state can import cheaper medicine from Canada, and whether this could change the cost of medicine throughout the U.S. Just really briefly, one of the reasons I think this is catching a lot of people's attention is because how much drugs cost in the United States, right? Is that true? Do they cost a lot in the United States? They do, yeah. I mean, it may not be a surprise to a lot of people that prescription drugs are expensive here, but it's actually pretty well documented that drug prices in the U.S. are significantly higher than in most developed countries around the world. There's a widely cited study by Rand Corporation from 2021 that found that Canada's drugs on the whole cost about half of what prescription drugs in in the U.S. cost. And what we're we're really talking about here are brand name drugs. The brand name drugs are, are really expensive relative to other countries. Daniel, I want to understand how we got to this decision from the Food and Drug Administration. So first, where does this story begin? So it goes back to, uh, I would say, like the year 2000 as a good place to begin. There was a law that was enacted that would have allowed states to import prescription drugs from other countries, but it never really got off the ground because of a requirement that the Secretary of Health and Human Services would have to certify that adequate safety could be maintained and that the costs of prescription drugs could significantly be reduced. And there were several secretaries that declined to make that determination. And so it wasn't until the Trump administration. Thank you very much. That's a very big announcement. Here's then-President Trump in 2020. The unprecedented reforms we're completing today are the direct result of the historic drug pricing executive orders I signed in July. President Trump signed an executive order 
basically saying uh, or ordering uh, the completion of a rulemaking process that would allow a process for the states to import certain prescription drugs from Canada. Uh, statutorily, we had to go through a very long process, and we got it done. I was very proud to have gotten this done. We were pushing it very hard. So is that where Florida comes into the picture? That is where Florida comes into the picture. That was when Florida formally applied to be able to import drugs from Canada. After the federal government finalized their rule, we submitted our Section 804 proposal. This is DeSantis in 2021. And when, when I signed the bill, I told people, I was like, well, this is the first step. There's a lot of hurdles that you have to overcome, uh, but we've been doing it every step of the way. We most, we and after yet. that, um, there's a 2021 executive order by President Biden that's directing FDA to work with states like Florida that wanted to import prescription drugs. And at least from Florida's perspective, the process did not move very quickly. FDA had additional questions about Florida's plan. Florida would have questions about FDA's requests. Um, So there was a lot of back and forth. And then it got to the point where Florida sued FDA in 2022 to try to force it to rule on its application. And this is DeSantis in late 2022. After 630 days... You know, we still sit here waiting uh, for an answer. And so it's our view that we've waited long enough. Uh, and so today we're taking action. Uh, the state of Florida has now filed a lawsuit against the FDA. Uh, for Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, the FDA was delaying in, in an unreasonable and reckless way. And uh, looking in, in some of the court filings, you can see that some of the FDA's concerns are about drug supply chain security, cost savings, the way that drugs would be labeled, uh, as well as some other things. Um, and then as of Friday, it looks like Florida finally satisfied FDA. So, Daniel, this has to do with states buying drugs rather than a resident in Florida wanting to buy medicine from Canada, right? So. Tell me why states are buying drugs and why would they want to buy them directly from Canada? Well, really for the same reason that people want to buy drugs from, from Canada, and it's to save money. And medical tourism has been a thing for a while, and, but a state couldn't just take a little trip across the border and bring back some drugs. There wasn't any mechanism for that. And so this proposal from Florida is about creating that mechanism so that they can get certain prescription drugs in bulk that they would then be able to use for Floridians initially in the care of state-run facilities and then eventually to expand that to state Medicaid recipients. I see. So a state, this might seem obvious to you, but for me, I'm like, oh, why is a state buying drugs? And it's because they have these drugs in state-run facilities and, and eventually Medicaid um, patients, that, that that's what these bulk drugs would be used for, right? Sure. So, Daniel, what are some drugs that, and, and the types of treatment that they offer that, you know, the price could drop for Floridians? So what the state of Florida hasn't publicly said specific drugs, but what they've generally described is seeking drugs that would treat conditions like mental health, um, HIV, AIDS, um, prostate cancer, some common conditions. So why are drugs cheaper in Canada? What makes Canada different? Canada's different because Canada has done the work to regulate prices of prescription drugs lower. There's a, 
board that regulates the price of brand name patented drugs in Canada to determine whether the prices are excessive. Um, and if it does determine they're excessive, can actually order a manufacturer to lower the price of a drug. Hmm. The U.S. doesn't have that. Um, in the U.S., the manufacturer, the patent holder of a drug gets to charge what they want to charge, what they think the market will bear uh, until they lose the exclusivity of their patents and then generic drug makers can offer cheaper alternatives, which brings down the price. Why can't the U.S. do something like Canada and have a system that is like Canada? What are some of the the barriers to that or the forces allied against that? Okay, well, it's been a difficult proposition over the years. The pharmaceutical industry is not thrilled about the various proposals to lower prescription drug pricing in the U.S. And one of the arguments that the pharmaceutical industry and some others like patient advocacy groups uh, make is that developing new drugs is extremely difficult. It's expensive, it's risky, lots of drugs fail. Clinical trials that the manufacturers pursue to either prove or condemn how their drugs work takes a lot of time, can cost tens or hundreds of millions of dollars. And so manufacturers that are taking on this risk say they need an incentive to get paid for their innovation and then the risk they're taking on. And uh, and so lower prices would not give them the incentive to invest the way that they do. After the break, the big pushback against lowering drug prices. We'll be right back. So reducing drug costs, it does seem like it's an obviously popular position for lawmakers and politicians. Is this something in your years of covering this that you've seen lawmakers, Republicans and Democrats, talk about, try to tackle, um, and why haven't they been more successful? <laughs> well, well, sure. I mean, who wouldn't be happy to pay less for their prescription drugs? You can kind of see why that would be a, a popular idea and not particularly partisan one. This has been uh, an important issue that's come up in campaigns over the years. This is a significant part of Bernie Sanders' presidential campaign. U.S. presidential hopeful Bernie Sanders didn't hold back when criticizing the pharmaceutical industry. So you got greed, you got corruption, and you got kids not taking the medicine they need. On his bus, insulin-seeking Americans had story after story of struggling with the cost of living with diabetes. The Trump administration comes in and Trump signs an executive order. The Biden administration comes in and, and Biden signs an executive order to direct the FDA to work with states to make this happen. Uh, but that struggle continues, by the way. And certainly, like, the Biden administration has prioritized this, like, seen this as, as a, a really important issue to try to tamp down these rising prescription drug prices. And the biggest thing that they have done is the Inflation Reduction Act. Yeah, Daniel, can you tell me more about what the Biden administration has done so far? Well, the Biden administration 
continued in a way what the Trump administration started with an executive order directing FDA to work with states that wanted to import drugs from Canada or abroad. The Biden administration has also taken on this more ambitiously, really, um, than administrations in, in recent memory in enacting the Inflation Reduction Act. And this is this is like a, a frontal effort to directly lower drug prices in the U.S. This is like the very thing that they're trying to cure by importing drugs from Canada. Um, but this is more of a head-on way of approaching it and something more similar to what Canada has done with setting maximum prices. And so um, the Inflation Reduction Act would cap how much Medicare pays drug makers for certain drugs that Medicare spends a lot of money on. In October, um, the administration announced the first 10 drugs that will be subject to these uh, maximum prices. You know, and today I'm proud to announce that Medicare has selected the first 10 additional drugs for negotiation under the Inflation Reduction Act. Here's President Biden in late 2023. Medicare spends $50 billion a year on these 10 drugs. And American seniors are spending $3.4 billion on out-of-pocket costs. And the idea with the Inflation Reduction Act and, and, and this provision is to add more drugs that are subject to price caps over time. But it's going to be quite a few years before any cost savings are, are really realized from those efforts. And there's also litigation from uh, drug makers and and the pharmaceutical industry um, to to try to neutralize that effort too. So, Daniel, how has the pharmaceutical industry responded to not just this ruling, but all the pressure that it has received to reduce costs? They've responded with a, a pretty ferocious legal attack. They see these as risks to the to the business in, in different ways. And so there's been a, a pretty organized, forceful response from the pharmaceutical industry to try to neutralize the Inflation Reduction Act or, or to try to prevent um, drug importation from getting off the ground. In fact, um, the Pharmaceutical Research and Manufacturers of America, this is a big lobby called Pharma, it sued FDA over the drug importation plan, and there was a judge who ruled in February that the association lacked standing mm. um, because they didn't face a concrete risk of harm at that point. But now that the FDA has given Florida the green light, that conceivably has made things more concrete, so it wouldn't be surprising to see more litigation uh, going forward. But there are other ways that kind of indicate that pharmaceutical companies are acknowledging hmm. the public pressure to lower drug prices. Um, and so last year, one of the things that we saw was uh, initially Eli Lilly um, pharmaceutical company in the U.S. slashed the price of its insulins, like 70% capped the cost of their insulins at like $35 a month now. And that was after a period of years where the price of insulin had gone up and up. That was an acknowledgement that there was a need to to lower those prices. And that was followed by um, the two other big insulin makers, Sanofi and Novo Nordisk, following suit and also dramatically lowering 
the cost of their insulins. Those prices took effect this month. So, Daniel, in addition to, you know, what the pharmaceutical industry is doing to push back against these efforts, and then also at the same time, some of these companies acknowledging the high costs. When we talk about their argument as to why the FDA should not be allowing the importation of medicines, what what argument are they making? Because I think the average person would would say, well, are they just making this argument because this is a this is a threat to their bottom line, but what is their argument that they're they're making? Yeah, it um, today the U.S. actually does import a significant amount of drugs from foreign manufacturers, and the process for that is that companies, manufacturers around the world, notably in India and China, they will register with the FDA, say, we, want, we are gonna manufacture these drugs. And FDA will go and inspect those facilities and make sure that they meet all the stringent requirements that FDA would require of facilities in the US. So there already is a process in which we get a lot of drugs from uh, other countries. But what is different here is that states are now kind of trying to take this process in their own hands and find a foreign seller, like a company in Canada that will sell drugs to to Floridians. Uh, and they have to find a logistics company that will mm-hmm. handle the importation and they have to find a way to distribute all these drugs. And there are various requirements they have to meet from FDA. But the central concern is if drugs are entering the U.S. delivery system from another point that maybe hasn't um, gone through the same process as, um, as FDA-registered and inspected manufacturers, there could be some amount of risk for unsafe drugs or counterfeit drugs to enter the system. And that is one point that the pharmaceutical industry has made, but it's also a point that... Um, you know, the FDA itself has raised as a concern to try to make sure that the integrity of the drug supply chain is protected and there's no additional risk to Americans. So in this case, what would Florida have to do to make sure that that these imported medications, that, that it's safe? There is a long list of requirements that Florida has to do, even now, even after getting this approval from FDA to actually physically import these drugs and they have to tell FDA like the specific drugs that they are attempting to import. Um, They have to be able to tell FDA who made the raw ingredients used in the drugs. They have to provide proof of uh, the Canadian company that's selling them the drugs, obtained them from the manufacturer, the batch numbers, lot numbers, a description of how they will be tested, who will do the testing. So there's a lot, still like a lot of information that Florida has to Mm -hmm. provide to FDA. So this decision, do you anticipate it benefiting other states and and patients anytime soon? What, What will you be looking to in the future on this issue? I think it'll benefit other states in the sense that it provides an example for how this can be done. As far as whether it'll benefit patients soon, that depends on a few things. 
depends on Florida satisfying these additional requirements from FDA, prerequisites to importing the, the drugs physically, but also the uncertainties about what kind of curbs uh, Canada might impose on its domestic supply of medicines. Canada's pretty concerned that the U.S. importing in bulk from Canada could uh, cause drug shortages. And there could also be legal challenges that might delay this from moving forward. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Daniel Gilbert writes about the business of medicine for The Post. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was produced by Bishop Sand. It was mixed by Rennie Svernofsky and edited by Monica Campbell. Thanks to Alana Gordon and Sandia Somoshaker. Before you go, I wanted to tell you about something new from The Post. It's called Try This, and it's the Washington Post's first ever audio course. If you love the episodes of Post Reports where we talk to reporters about practical tips that can help us all live better lives, then you'll definitely appreciate Try This. Check it out. I'm Elahe Izadi. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post.